Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more.
Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 57. Um, we're excited to do something different this week. We have all four members of the Fish tribute band Runaway Gin um, here. Many of you have heard Andy Greenberg um, on this show before. Andy plays guitar and vocals for Runaway Gin. And we have Bobby, who's a bass and vocals, Fitz, who's keys and vocals, and John, who's on drums. Um, welcome, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, buddy. Yeah, this is fun. Um, so I, it's pretty interesting that we're doing doing it this way because obviously, you know, all we do on this show is talk about fish, and this is um, a little bit of a different way of um, entering that conversation. And I know that Andy, you you and Fitz started playing um, with the Buddhist Prodigies, a fish fish cover band, back in 2012, and then you guys formed Runaway Gin um, shortly thereafter. And you guys are playing on playing your hundred and hundred first shows this weekend, right? Yeah, this is the hundred hundredth show is Runaway Gin this weekend uh, on Saturday night. That's awesome. And you guys are going to be playing. Um, I mean, you guys play over sixty shows last year. You'll be playing a lot this year. You're playing in um, Chicago around the uh, Fairly Well shows, right? Yeah, we have the a weekly gig on Sunday, which is kind of like our foundational thing um and then that right there i mean you know every every week we probably take a, a week or two off you know each um each year so in addition to those shows we play out of town shows in chicago definitely uh, the fourth of july is probably uh the the biggest one that we have coming up in in terms of just exposure and you know the the event of it um but yeah that's uh that's that's we play uh you know, at least once a week, except some weeks we don't play on Sunday and, and, and not out. So it just depends. We mostly just play on the weekends um, in terms of road shows or, you know, main stage shows, mm -hmm. shows other than our weekly residency. Nice. And I know the, the patio at the poorhouse is, is rocking um, every every Sunday pretty much, right? Yeah, 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 actually. And, and that's how I met Bobby was, was through... Um, was through at the Poorhouse Deck actually. He plays there. He played. He's played there on Wednesdays for a really, really long time. And um, and so we all kind of. I you know we met through various means, but yeah, the, the deck is actually where I met Bobby. That's awesome. Well, let's go back. Let's just talk about your everyone's fish background. If um, if everyone's comfortable, maybe just give us you know a a, a couple um, thoughts on how you got into the band and and what it means to be you know playing in a band that that's devoted to to paying tribute to the band probably this was back in 94 90, 95 so i was living up in rhode island and i was in eighth grade and my sister was a few years older and you know kind of a similar story where her friends were listening to fish and i found a bootleg and popped it in and it was um santa barbara from 92 april of 92 and it at first i didn't really get it but after listening to it a few times i kind of just fell in love with it and um went started seeing fish for, I saw them for the first time in uh December 30th of 96 at Fleet Center in Boston. Nice. And um yeah, just kind of, you know, that's how it got started for me at least. That's awesome. That was Bobby talking there. Um anyone else want to share? Briefly, um I heard fish for the first time when I was at summer camp when I was like I'm pretty sure I must have been like 12 or 13. And uh, and they just oh, one of my favorite bands at the time was they might be giants and I heard the song Sparkle which kind of reminded me of it and um, at that time I was a really big fan of like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin primarily um, and Hendrix as well and uh, and then when I actually started getting into the catalog some um, 
you know, through listening to, to Rift and, um, and the albums before that, and then like trying to hunt down bootlegs that was really, really hard to do in South Carolina. Uh, eventually they came down to, I mean, they came down to Charleston a couple times in Columbia, but I was just too young. I was like 14. My parents wouldn't let me go. So finally they let me go to a show in, uh, in 95 actually got me tickets for my birthday. And, uh, since then I've been a huge fan, uh, during the, the hiatus, I, uh, you know, as, as we've talked about before, I, I did not, or during the hiatus and then 2.0, actually, I, I did not actually go see any fish shows. Um, but that's part of my history as well. Mine goes, goes pretty far back, I guess, with all, uh, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, uh, pretty close outside of New York City. So we had access to a lot, a lot of concerts, a lot of different uh, events up there. Mm-hmm. So some of my, you know, best friends uh, turned me on to them. Um, uh, you know, we go see him at uh, Waterloo Village. Uh, a couple, you know, this is I guess, 93, 94, 95. And uh, just from what, you know, previously I'd been exposed to to <laughs> to them, it was uh, you know a huge thing. And not only that, but just because looking back now, I mean that you know some of the people I grew up with, uh, you know, the old clan, if you will, uh, you know that that's a, that's a big part of it for me too. You know, playing this stuff now and. Uh, it's actually kind of cool. Some of those those same guys are going to be there at the show in Chicago, you know. And I haven't seen them in a long time, so that's that's another good good aspect of it too. But uh, yeah, we were. I was actually talking about it with these guys today. A lot a lot of good memories, you know, musically, you know, what the band was doing, and then you know also you know the kind of friend aspect as well. Awesome, John. I started listening to Fish uh, when I was about thirteen years old. Uh, I was in middle school. I was listening to a lot of punk rock. And um, you know, hard rock, whatever, whatever was popular back then. Uh, and I knew that I didn't really care about music that was really vocal centric. You know, I just wanted to hear music with like loud drums and cool drumming and stuff I never heard before. And a bunch of my friends started listening to Fish, um, and I just sort of started getting into it then, mainly just because I liked listening to Fishman play. You know, I liked incorporating all the all the weird stuff that he does i hadn't heard anybody else do that um and then i went to my first fish show when i was 14 and went to a couple more in high school and i've been sort of just catching up with them on and off since then but obviously joining this band i've got like a pretty big resurgence (laughs) and how much i like them so it's pretty cool yeah i'm really excited to be playing all the music because they're basically the drum parts i started you know playing right when i was learning to played drums so yeah it's been really cool nice it was a resurgence for me for sure too like whenever um whenever i first started doing you know the blogging uh with zach and everything really right about the same time um we we were playing you know the, the fish the fish cover music fish tunes so so for me um it was definitely getting back into it like like john was saying um and and that's cool i didn't think about it like that till now but yeah, it's actually definitely been a big thing to get me more into fish or back back into fish more uh, than I than I had been previously since uh, the '90s, really. That's awesome, and this is a good time to to have that resurgence. I'm sure it's not a coincidence that you guys are kind of having uh, you know having such great success and and playing such so many shows and having such a good time when fish is also you know having their own. Um, their own resurgence which is a pretty exciting overlap what's the um, what are you guys ex- most excited about about the um chicago shows 
Wow, everything. I mean, I was I was planning on going anyway because I'm a huge Dead fan. Also, um, nice. and then when we when we got that gig there, it was just the icing on the cake. The whole weekend's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's also been really cool because for us as a band, it's a really cool uh, landmark in our career. Um, you know, we can sort of set goals right now as we're learning all this new material, and we can be like, all right, well, this needs to be ready by Chicago, or we should like have this tightened up for Chicago. So it's a cool. Just a cool reference point for us to use now in our uh, when we're setting goals and you know building toward things as a band. Nice. Yeah, just you know, as, as I was mentioned earlier, just just to be part of a weekend like that. There's so much going on in the city, you know, with the you know the main shows at Soldier Field. Just you know, there's tons of things going on that week, you know. And uh, you know, I'm I've, I have a lot of great friends that are going to be there. For, uh, for the, you know, the dead shows as well as coming to see us. So that's that's just really cool to be a part of. And, you know, like you said, like John said, too, that's definitely a landmark, uh, you know, show to have under your belt, you know, uh, moving forward. And so I'm, I'm pretty psyched for it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the, the whole the whole thing. I mean, I remember earlier in the year when when when, when it's, you know, people were first like Trey's going to play three, three shows with the Grateful Dead or whatever. Like that, that right there, in and of itself, is is just insane to me. Um, and it's kind of set in, settled in a little bit, you know, just from the amount of time and not thinking about it as frequently. But uh, I think that really is is what I look forward to most about that weekend. I've I've heard uh, Phil Lesh before, and I've never heard any of the other members, so I, I'm really looking forward to hearing them play, and also Bruce Hornsby because I've never heard him, uh, and I'm really looking forward to to hearing what Trey's going to do with it. Um, it's, it's sort of like the dream come true that I never actually had, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Somehow we ended up in, you know, or, or, or ending up there that weekend when Trey's doing that, it just seems like something out of a, out of some kind of fantasy. Um, so the whole thing I'm really, really looking forward to, but the music, obviously, first and foremost, you know, um, hearing, hearing those guys play that I haven't played and hear Trey playing that way and then playing that show uh that shit that's just gonna be surreal man yeah it's gonna be an unbelievable weekend you guys are it's awesome that you guys are able to to be part of that um let's um so let's listen to a little bit of uh runaway gin and just hopefully as we listen to these we can talk a little bit more about you know what it's like to to cover this band and kind of the inspiration you guys take from it um i'm gonna play a couple of the tunes that um you guys sent along i think these are from um last weekend yeah we just they were from Actually, two days ago, I just got them, and they're they're uh, from recorded on the deck. But we just didn't have any. Um, we don't have very many recordings. Like it's we don't we don't record uh, very often. Mm-hmm. So this just happens to be the only one that I have, or, or the one of the only ones that I have. You know. Nice. Well, it's a good recording and it, it's good sound. So let's play a couple of tunes and then um and then chat about them. Thank you. 
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Cool. So you heard um, Runaway Jin's take on First Tube, and then you heard a ghost into Yamar. Um, really cool um, transition there, and and nice like nice jamming in there, guys. Um, tell us why why you chose those songs, or or what those those um, particular songs or jams um, mean to you guys. First Tube. Um, we just, we, we, we actually have played it a lot recently and, um, I think that, uh, it just, it just feels really funky and groovy right now and, and full. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the, probably the reason why we keep playing it. It seems to, it seems to be pretty consistently, uh, driving and, um, you know, a song like that, uh, it's kind of like tweezer reprise, I guess. You just kind of get this tight little package, uh, four to six minutes or whatever of, uh, of sort of uh, adrenaline boost. So we, we opened up our show on Sunday uh, on the deck with that song um, because, it, you know, it's great opener to open. I remember the Dick's uh, 2012 uh, Fuck Your Face show. But uh, I also yeah. thought it was funny that first tube, uh, you know, on Mother's Day being that we all came from our mother's first tube. And, wow. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought I'm that was the second tube, actually. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it's it's such a I like it because I mean, anytime you hear it at a show, it's such a high energy song. It gets people going and it's like you if you hear first tube at a show, the show is rocking whether it's an encore or opener or somewhere in between. It's just such a good um such a good jam and it it has the right like balance to me of the driving and then it has like a little bit of the blissy, you know, jam in there toward the end. So it's a, a nice combo. Um and again, I'll... First Tube is a, it's a really interesting song for a bassist because it's just so repetitive and <laughs> it's awesome and it's really a lesson in just patience and sticking to exactly what you're doing, um, which was difficult at first because sometimes you want to stretch out and play other notes and stuff, but that song is so repetitive that it really teaches, it's, it's all about groove. I'm still a long way from perfecting it or nailing it, but in the meantime, it's a really fun way to learn just... It's not really about the notes you're playing. It's the groove the entire time and just completely repetitive. So that's a really interesting basis, you know, look at it, I guess. Interesting. So that's like a, that's a challenge to, to do that for that amount of time. It really, it's not a physical challenge. It's just, it's a mental game. It's like, you know, two or three minutes in of playing the exact same notes over and over, you're kind of like, oh my God, I would love to play, you know... <laughs> And he just throw another note in there, a noodle like something <laughs> here and there. But it's like, no, don't do it. Just stick exactly to what it is. And it and if because if you stray from that, it kind of loses the groove. So you really just have to stick to that, you know. And it's um, that, that's taught me something. Just that song alone has taught me a lot as a as a bassist and really as a musician altogether. The second clip that we played in there was the ghost into Yamar, and that was a nice, nice transition there. Um, how does the um, what's it like improvising improv? songs like what's the approach to improvising songs that are traditionally heavily improv we're kind of lucky in the respect that you know fish has sort of set this framework in place that we can follow so uh you know i've been playing original music for years trying not to sound like john fishman and now instead i get to say okay what would fishman do right here and i'm like oh you would definitely yeah, he would definitely do this. <laughs> it's it's a so it's kind of a relief in that way that I don't have to, you know, <laughs> I don't have to try really hard to not play John Fishman's licks, which is usually what I would do. But um, so that's kind of interesting. Nice. But at the same time, I like to think we definitely put our own spin on certain things um, because you know we don't necessarily replicate versions of songs to a T. You know, we we follow 
the basic structure and we we stick to um, the guidelines of each song that you know Fish sort of has, but then we take it off in our own direction when it comes to improvising. I think we all kind of put our own little spin on it too. And for me, improvising and jamming really is very um, mood um, dependent. You know, if, it depends what kind of mood you're in. If the song goes major, goes minor, gets happy, gets blissy, gets aggressive, gets whatever, it kind of is like either a spur of the moment or just kind of what mood you're in that night in a way. Because one song can go either, not either, many, one of many directions, just kind of depending on how you're feeling that night. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you, you hear that from one, one person and you kind of, you know, it's, it's ears on a swivel in, in those, those improv sections and you, you know, you got to go with it. Um, you can fight it if you want to, but that doesn't sound too, too good. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I mean, I heard a little bit something different from like, from any fish ghost jam in there. And maybe that's cause I, I hear guitar off more often than anything else, but I thought you guys all sounded like, yeah, like you were taking the taking the inspiration but putting a little bit of a twist on it, which is obviously that that must be one of the challenges with being in a a tribute, you know, band, right? Is like how do you how do you not? I mean, you don't want to play every note like like they do, right? Yeah. Well, we, couldn't, we couldn't if we tried either. I mean, it's like yeah. lots of people. I mean, but yeah, it's a uh, wow, it's a deep deep interesting thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the whole the whole uh, phrase "surrender to the flow" takes different meaning mm -hmm. when, you, when you apply it to playing the music versus being a participant in the audience. You know what I mean, or or even in life, like you know, kind of like going with it. I mean, it really is it, the the musical conversation and the improvisation uh, to me is 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 one of the most magical things that exists in in the universe. Really. That, that we can that we can perceive so plainly, and I mean, we really can't perceive it so plainly. It's it's something that we strive more and more to perceive, um, and you know, fully listen to what everybody's saying. But uh, you know, as a as a musician, we're we're all we all first start playing by ourselves, so we're we're kind of like going from that ground foundation to flowering into something that can that can communicate with others and um, and fit together in the right way. And uh, and I think that. When when the question is what do we do, I think individually I probably want to do the the thing that I would think would sound the best at that moment, and if it was something that Trey would do, like that's probably that's probably going to happen very often because when I listen to Trey, a lot of the time I'm like, man, that's like the best thing that you could possibly do there. Like you know what I mean? I did, I really love his playing, and so it's it kind of like uh, kind of like what John said. It's it's um, it's I played in an original band too. Uh, for for a long time and uh, and it was kind of like man how do I not sound like and when I when I first started uh, actually uh, feeling like oh wow so it's it's actually okay to to kind of try and play more like Trey and obviously I I'm, I can't but to to that freedom to do that to me is very very fun and and the improvisational aspect of of everything that we do is 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 the whole you know some total of that experience you know it's playing a solo doesn't mean shit. I can sit here and, and play with a loop all night, but like, you know, when you're playing with other guys that are speaking at the same time, it's, it, it's not like, it's, it, I don't really consider jamming, you know, three people playing the same thing and one place, person playing a solo at the top. That's, that's improvising on a soloist's level, but jamming, which I think we're, we're trying to do a lot more, um, 
is is just an open musical community uh, conversation, and uh, ideally, and uh, it's 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 a it's it's something that you that you try to get better at every time you play. We're gonna jump into um, the next set of songs here, and then we'll have another um, discussion. <laughs>
So we just heard um, Runaway Jin do Boogie On into Tweezer into Maze. Um, another like nice set of tunes there with a couple different different transitions and and some jamming in there. Um, what what a how do you first of all like combining those three songs is pretty interesting and I'm not sure I've seen that a lot in if, by from Fish which is awesome. Um, what what's the um, what's the rhyme or reason to to that combo or or just to any of those songs to you guys that might have been spur of the moment went into them i don't remember if we actually wrote yeah that was right set lists but, but there you know this was completely different yeah um we like we we have a uh we have a set list so we know like what songs to individually and and together work on but um we don't usually play it uh and the reason why is i think that um it just, I mean, I think it's just part of what the whole, the whole thing, it's gotta, it's gotta be through and through, you know, if you want to play like in the moment, um, in a particular song, then you kind of have to choose your song in the moment as well, or otherwise you're, you're, you're sort of, uh, you know, two steps back before you start. Um, but I think that, uh, I, I, I know that we decided to play Boogie on Reggae Woman first, obviously, and, and I think that we talked about doing Tweezer. I think we were originally we were going to do Tweezer first, but we but we did Boogie on Reggae Woman first to um, kind of get get try and uh, just warm it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Give us a little bit of a boost. I think before we before we had to really think about exploring um, and uh, and then Maze. I think. Uh, I don't know. We just, somehow we just ended up going into that. You know, that's that John controls that one. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times it'll depend on the crowd. Also, like we had a great crowd that night, and everyone was really digging it and up front and dancing, and like that can really affect song order. You know, even if we have a set list that goes one way, we can totally call a veto and just say, "Hey, let's go into this." They're ready to dance. You know, and I think that has to do with a lot of the um, order that the songs are played in. You know. Yeah, just thinking about Tweezer. I mean, it's um, I've actually seen a fair number of shows with with Andy, but um, Tweezer's my favorite song to hear live. And I was thinking, I was listening to it today. Like, what's what's it like for you guys to go to go two shows now and and listen and and try? Do you try to you know be there and be in the music and not worry about picking up like you know your own sort of. Uh, pointers i guess for the next next show or do you listen to it in in different ways or how does that work for you guys <laughs> what's a good well, person i know that i haven't seen fish since i started playing in this band but i can't say that every time i have seen fish i've just been you know plotting what moves <laughs> i'm going to steal from john fishman <laughs> <laughs> and that might just be habit from when i was a little kid uh just because that is what i would do i'd listen to his playing obsessively and try to you know, try to figure it out and try and learn it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I imagine next time I see fish, I'll probably still go in with that same mindset of definitely still really enjoying the spectacle of it, but also wanting to, you know, leave feeling inspired and, uh, and being really excited to sit down at the drum kit and have like a new take on things and, and a fresh mind. Yeah. I, I haven't seen him live in, in, quite a long time but I have watched a few of the webcasts and when I do I try just to sit back and you know just kind of enjoy it just 
you know, watch it develop. And it, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. You know, in doing what, you know, what we're doing there, in order to really make it work, you got to. There's like an inherent risk in, in involved because and I think this is why there's debates. You know, about you know what's the best tweezer, what's the best terrapin station. You know, because you're taking chances, and you know sometimes you're you're gonna just nail it. You know, sometimes you're not, and that's that's kind of just what I listen to if I'm when I'm watching the the webcast. Just you know, you you see them pushing it, and then you know sometimes it works great. You know, sometimes it's okay. You know, and, and you know you, but that's 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 what I do when I'm, when I'm doing that when I'm working on it in my headphones and you know trying to learn the songs. That's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I um. You know, joined this band and started really working on the material in um, January of last year, so January of 2014. And last year, I went to all to the Dicks Run three nights, and I really went into that weekend as like just a vacation and just have fun and not try to pick everything apart. Because I'm like, I just love fish, and I really just want to go and like enjoy it and not be just nerding it up in my head about what I can pull from it. But I, I can't help it. It's impossible. You get up there and, you, you know, the gear alone, you're looking on, I was, you know, you're pretty far away, but I was eyeing the gear and, the, you know, what they've got up there and everything. And, you know, what? But it's, since it was three nights, by, you know, halfway through the first night, I was able to disconnect my nerdy brain from it and just enjoy it for the love of the music and not try to pick apart every note that he plays to try to emulate it, you know. Um, this year I'm going to... Um, uh, Raleigh, and then I'm going to Watkins Glen. Nice. And really, yeah, I just hope to go to those and have a good time, and like obviously, you know, let some things seep through my head through osmosis. But really, just try to pretend like I'm a 16 year old kid again, seeing them for, you know, the first time or however old I was, 14, and just enjoy it without trying to, uh, you know, get too cerebral about it and just have a good time. Nice. I think that goes not just for musicians, but for any fish fan, right? <laughs> Like trying, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. not to analyze every note, right? I've I've seen a shitload of fish shows since I uh, since I started playing it again, and uh, it's it's really weird. Um, I definitely at first um, I felt the same thing that that Bobby did it was like, okay, it's vacation time now. I'm not. It was sort of this weird thing conversation in my head. Now I'm not responsible for like you know holding that down. It's not my job anymore. So it's like it's like trying to do a job. And then you're watching somebody else do your job, and, and there's a certain like, wow, this is going to be relaxing kind of thing. Like, I, I can't wait, you know, because it, to be honest, you know, I think early on, and and sometimes it's it's very difficult to play this music um, because it's it, it is musically challenging, obviously. Um, and so, uh, you know, I went to the shows, and I I tried to totally disconnect and all that, and eventually I ended up coming back to the musical mind of, of thinking about what they were playing versus just enjoying it and I've gone back and forth many times um, but for the longest time now I really haven't been um, I'd say probably for I mean I, I don't know the number of shows but for, for for many many shows now I've I've stopped listening to it as a musician at all and I've, I've decided to compartmentalize that part of my experience with the music for um, my personal time at home when I'm when I'm able to uh, rewind it and fast forward it and really, you know, pick stuff apart more, um, you know, uh, more uh, fruitfully. Uh, when I'm at the show, um, it's my, I found that it's much easier for me to have a good time if I just, you know, basically surrender to the flow. It's not the same thing that I try to do when I'm playing, uh, coincidentally, but, you know, that's, that, that's, I think that's just part of life. Definitely. 
Man, it's I feel like it's like it's interesting because I when you guys are talking, I'm like that's kind of what I do too. But you know, it's it's hard to it's hard yes, to yeah. balance yeah, that. You pick it apart musically and and intellectually. I mean, the the aspects of it are 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 very very similar, um, and it, it can be really frustrating to to listen to the music and and try and judge it like you're writing a report card or something like that. Like you know, I. If, if, if I missed a note or, or a series of notes or whatever, and I try and get over it as quickly as possible and move on and, and, and enjoy the rest of the song as much as I would have if I didn't miss that note. So when I hear somebody in the band uh, miss a note, I take that same perspective as an audience member. Um, I'd rather, uh, you know, I, I don't want to remember, you know, the bad, so to speak, and it's not really bad. I just, I don't, there's no point in in me saving that moment in my mind and, 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 you know, it served no purpose, but to drag the experience down for me. So I let the mistakes just fly by, man. It doesn't bother me at all. We're going to listen to another tune here. And then, um, again, just chat about it real quick.
that's a Bobby Hall no key ending right there. So guys, that was the, what we just heard was the Runaway Gin take on Harry Hood. Um, what um, that's it's my favorite song to hear and at a show. Um, how do you how do you guys feel about that one? What's the um, what's the kind of story behind that one for you guys? That's one of my favorite songs to cover because it's got everything that I love in a fish song. It's got the orchestrated parts that are very specific, and you know. I make plenty of mistakes on them. I don't, I don't, I don't hit it perfectly, but I do my best. And it's, but it does have the very specific orchestrated parts. And then it's got just the awesome, blissful jam that builds and builds. And to me, that's you know, then the tension and release in the jam, and then the climax at the end. And that's fish to me. It's that's sex to me at the same time. It's just <laughs> you go through it, you get. You know, you climax, and then that's it. It's just like it's a human emotion, really, like mm-hmm. that song to me. And it's just fun to play, you know. It's, it, the the orchestrated part was difficult to learn, and we're getting it, and um, and the jam is just, just a, you know, a really basic jam that can just go in any direction and build and build, and I just love that. I would say Harry, Harry Hood, uh, I mean, you know, Mr. Minder considers that to be the, the heart and soul of the Fish catalog. And um, in my mind, uh, it's not the only one. I think songs like Slave to the Traffic Light, um, also have a kind of a mode of quality to the solo where, where you're just kind of um, starting out and, and building a mode of tension as opposed to other types of psychological tension or <laughs> mental duress or whatever. But like, um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely uh, very smooth um, and very simple. Um, three chords and, you know, Slave being four chords. I mean, the solo from the curtain width even... Uh, being two chords or the solo from Reba being two chords, you know, um, or even more recently, like the song we learned, Terrapin Station, the solo being one chord, you know what I mean? Um, I mm-hmm. think that uh, when you when you take a, a, a concept of a, of a mode or of a chord progression and you sort of are able to deconstruct it, the less, you're, the less, less restrictions you have, the more constrained you are, but at the same time, the less restrained you are because everything's very clear there's no ambiguity so it's it's a double-edged sword um and uh it's 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 definitely always a fun ride though another aspect of of a song like harry hood um i kind of touched on it before but um just the dichotomy of the song like the first several minutes is very orchestrated and you got to think and you got to nail those parts you get through that and then you get to the jam which is like andy said just three chords and you can kind of I'm not going to say shut your brain off because that doesn't sound like a good way to explain it, but you can kind of go from this one side of your brain where you're, it's a memorized part to this other side of your brain where it's just, okay, this is just these three chords. You know, this is just you're building emotion at this point. And it's just like you can keep it really simple or you can get complicated with it. You can go so many directions, but you can kind of shut off the other side of your brain that had to think that whole other previous part of the song and just kind of go with the flow, surrender to the flow. All right, so we're going to listen to the 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 um the last track which is a great um great cover and and probably the one of the hardest to to pull off I'd imagine. So we're going to um play that and then we'll um wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you. 
Alright, so you enjoy myself is you know one of the um, one of the toughest. I think. Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even a musician, so what am I saying? It seems like one of the toughest <laughs> songs to play um, from the Fish catalog, but maybe all the early songs seem like that to me. What do you guys think? Is it how how, did, how is it playing that song? I, I it's funny. Like when I first started playing it, I, I thought that it was um, one of the toughest for sure. Um, but I don't really think so anymore. It's kind of, it's once, once you get it, once you get it under, once you get it internalized, um, it kind of flows really intuitively, I think. And I would say even more so than a song like, let's say the divided sky, which seems a little bit more, um, sort of scatter, scatterbrained maybe, Hmm. um, you enjoy myself kind of has a, a flow to it that, um, that seems a little bit smoother. Um, and, and, and hence more intuitive. So I think even though it, it does initially seem like one of the hardest, it actually ends up being um, a lot easier than a song like Reba or, you know, uh, Fluffhead or, um, you know, even probably Split Open and Melt or The Squirming Coil or Divided Sky. That recording we just listened to was the first time that with this lineup we've ever played that song live, You Enjoy Myself. So... Um, hmm. It was my first time ever playing it live, so I might have to get back to you after a few more times of playing it to answer that question. <laughs> it was difficult, and I didn't. Uh, I'm not fully comfortable on it yet. Um, Andy and Fitz played it a couple of years ago, and I think for me, you know, I'm still I'm still getting there. But it's a it's an amazing song, and um, it's definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. I, I don't know. I might even say it's the hardest we've learned so far, but that might be because I came into this band and everyone else sort of already knew the rest of the material. So maybe this is the first one that, the first really challenging one that we've all sort of conquered at the same time. Mm-hmm. Although I guess, uh, Fitz, you and Andy have played this song before, though, haven't you? Or is this y'all's first time, too? No, we have, but I just. just I'd forgotten it pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't played it. Don't be wrong. I hadn't played it in years. So like it was, it was pretty much like coming back to all over again. Yeah, but I think the first time I've played that since in like two thousand eight or so, two thousand eight. So it's been a while. We used to play a lot, lot, and 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 then and then again a lot, a lot. So each time I relearn it, and um and I learn it more precisely. Um, so, so I would say the third time, it definitely, it definitely felt a lot easier to get back <laughs> into it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, coming back to what Bobby was saying about Harry Hood having everything he likes in a fish song. So, you enjoy myself. That's sort of, you know, my version of that. It's, uh, um, and I guess if you think about it, it's kind of the same sort of pattern of Hood of being extremely orchestrated, um, but. 
I guess to an even higher degree, just because of all the time signature changes, the feeling changes, you know, uh, they, it really goes at every every side of the spectrum, you know, every every direction that a song can go. You enjoy myself, at least touches on it, and then it ends with a super out there jam, which is always fun. <laughs> nice, awesome, and that that was a good one to to end end this um, this segment on, and. Um, I guess we're gonna what we're gonna do in in part two is just you guys each picked a, a jam that you that you love and we're gonna we're gonna play those and talk about that and for everyone listening, um, we um, we'll have that as part two of this episode. But um, guys, I just want to say thanks for sharing your your music with us first of all and and for all the great music you play, but also for for sharing your you know thoughts on this. I know it's a it's a tough thing to do when you're thinking about playing playing the music of a band you you love so much. So this has been super fun. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. All right, everyone, that was um, episode fifty-seven, part one, and we'll we'll bring you part two next week. Um, and as you you heard a bunch of music from Runaway Gin, and we'll um, link to to all their info so you can check them out next time they come near you. If you're going to Chicago for Fairly Well, definitely check them out. Um, it's going to be a rager. Um, so hope you enjoyed and, um, tune into, to set two next week. Um, and we're going to listen to some, to some fish next week. So definitely, um, check it out. And, um, Brad wasn't able to join us tonight, but you know where we are on Twitter at HF pod and check out the website, hfpod.com. Um, thanks for listening as always. Keep on rocking. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.